0: This is a Timmet Podcast. This podcast is part of the series On the Marge. This episode is part of the second series. Chronologically, it falls somewhere before episode 35. The title of this episode is Break a Leg. Break a Leg. I was really looking forward to the play for two reasons. First, it was a chance for Chuck and me to go out together. He works full time for the government, and I teach part time at the college. We're both on volunteer committees that have evening meetings, and of course, there is always laundry or cleaning up or meeting guests for our walnut crescent bed and breakfast. So we don't get out all that often, just for fun. The second reason I wanted to see the play was because it was one that I knew something about. For the Guild plays, there was always a write-up in What's Up Yukon the week before, so of course we know something about them. But this was a play I had actually read. Lily and I had answered an ArtsNet plea for help about two years ago and ended up reading the play for Jeremy at Homegrown. Let me explain. The Homegrown Theatre Festival is an opportunity for Yukoners to try out new or experimental plays and get feedback about them. Lily and I did a play reading for Jeremy. Not actually acting it out, but just reading. We each had our own mic and the script in hand, and we put as much life and expression into the reading as we could for the live audience. It was just like doing a radio play or a podcast. I remember that I actually shook my fist in rage at some appropriate place, and Lily recoiled in simulated surprise. But it was mostly just reading, and it was only the first half of the play. Jeremy was still working on the rest of it, then. After the reading... Jeremy asked me what I thought. I told him that the play could do with some more action. It just seemed to be two people sitting at the kitchen table talking. Jeremy said he'd fix that in the second half. And I said I didn't understand the title. Taming of the Shrewd. I guess Jeremy wasn't a student of Shakespeare and hadn't realized the connection. He just liked the name and promised it would all become clear once the play was finished. So it was going to be interesting to see how it turned out. Jeremy had recruited two talented actors who were recent grads of the Music, Arts and Drama program at the Wood Street School, and he had the old fire hall for a three-night run. We didn't have a babysitter for Alex. Alex didn't really like the baby part of that idea. She protests that because she's grown up now, she she's six, she's not a baby and really doesn't need a sitter. So we had arranged that she would go and visit Pamela McPherson for the evening. Pamela, who lives down the street, really hopes to have grandchildren someday, and says that visits from Alex are good practice. They were planning to drink tea and play cards together. Chuck and I were running a bit late, and we arrived at the fire hall with little time to spare. Our friend Fred was working the door and had our tickets ready for us. The stage was set up at the south end of the hall, and the bleachers stretched up and back toward the middle. We had to walk across the stage and up the center aisle of the bleachers to get to our places. The only two seats left at the very back, up in the top right-hand corner. As we worked our way up the aisle, we saw many people we knew. There was some lady named Marcia who always seemed to be everywhere doing something. I think Chuck knows her. Ruth, the science fair girl from down the street, and her parents were there, and some people I knew from the college. And dead center in the top row was Jeremy. The play was about to start, so as we squeezed past, I quickly said to Jeremy how excited I was to see how the play turned out. Jeremy avoided my gaze and nodded, but said nothing. Since this was the last night of the run, I guess he'd already seen it twice. So the lights dimmed, and the actors appeared on stage. The dramatic silence was interrupted by Marcia in the third row, who stood up and shouted out, ''Break a leg!'' Which was a bit awkward, but then the play got underway for the promised 90 minutes, no intermission. I really enjoyed the first 10 minutes. I recognized the characters from readings I had done and most of the lines came back to me as I heard them. After twenty minutes, I realized that the actors were still sitting at the kitchen table, talking. The level of excitement mounted slightly when one of the actors shook his fist in anger and the other recoiled in surprise, but that was as exciting as it got. After thirty minutes, Chuck shifted uncomfortably next to me and whispered, Do we have to sit through the whole thing? Can we sneak out? No, I whispered back. Jeremy's just down the row. Think of how he'd feel. And we'd have to cross the stage to get out. After 40 minutes, everyone in the audience was checking their watches, consulting their phones, and looking around to see if they could find unobtrusive escape routes. But we were all trapped. Maybe we could just jump off the back of the bleachers, hissed Chuck. I looked around hopefully, but we would have to climb over the railing and drop about three meters to the floor. I wasn't sure we could do that discreetly or safely. After 45 minutes, the discomfort in the hall was something I could feel. It was like waiting for an explosion, and we were just at half time. How was anybody going to get through this? The actors on stage, still seated at their kitchen table, continued to talk, no hint of even a clenched fist. When the fire alarm rang, it was like a pin in a balloon. Everyone exploded to their feet in relief. I could see Marcia's head pop up above everyone else's. She must have stood on her chair. Then she screamed and fell into the crowd of people around her. Everyone filed out as quickly as they could, down the aisle to where Marcia was sprawled with her leg at an awkward angle, three of her friends comforting her. Then over the chairs to get around Marcia, across the stage, and out through the side door. By the time we made our way around the building to Front Street, the fire truck was pulling up, I could hear, and I could hear the scream of the approaching ambulance. Nobody waited around to see what was happening, or to resume the play, in case this was a false alarm. Everyone fled to their cars. Oh, I feel so sorry for Jeremy, I said on the way home. But maybe it was a lucky thing that the alarm went off when it did. Mm, I'm not so sure it was all luck, replied Chuck. What do you mean, I asked. Uh, well, Fred, who we met at the door, well, he wasn't sitting in the stands. He was just walking around alongside the bleachers, down on the floor, on my side at the corner. When things had obviously gone on too long and weren't showing any signs of getting better. Well, okay, so I pointed at the fire alarm on the wall and pantomimed that he should pull it. And he did. But I wasn't serious. It was just a joke. Chuck felt bad about his part in the false fire alarm that had led to Marsha's broken leg. He felt better the next day after talking with Fred. Fred assured him that Chuck's gestures weren't the reason he had set off the alarm. Fred had worked the play all three nights with Jeremy. The first night, Jeremy realized that he had seriously misjudged the acceptable proportions of action, time, and audience patience. Second night, Jeremy suffered through the whole play with the audience, watching them squirm. The former MLA who fell asleep and snored loudly attracted much more critical acclaim than the actors on stage. So the third night, the night we were there, he had directed Fred to pull the alarm early enough for the sake of mercy, but late enough so nobody would want their money back. And nobody was supposed to know it was planned. And I never understood the name of the play, Taming of the Shrewd. I'm not sure Jeremy did either. It's too bad he really wasn't a Shakespeare fan. Otherwise, he could have called it something more appropriate like A Midsummer Night's Scream, or maybe even As You Like It or Not. How about All's Well That Ends? This has been a Timit podcast in a series called On the Marge. Instrumental intro and exit are courtesy of Kate Weeks. If you would like more of these podcasts, check out the podcast website at timmit.ca podcasts. That's T-I-M-M-I-T dot C-A slash podcasts.